everyone. Welcome to another episode of Unity. I'm Noah, your host for today. Um, I hope everyone's having a great day. So in the blink of an eye, right, we are approaching the second half of 2021 already. And with September coming around, a lot of universities will be opening up their applications. However, right, for many of us like myself, we may have a lot of burning questions about um, applying overseas, such as um, whether we, what path we wish to pursue while studying abroad, um, which uni I should be applying to, or even whether I'm qualified enough to be studying abroad. So today we have Alvin with us from Project Access, who will be sharing with us his answers for some of our frequently asked questions, or even some advice for us who wish to apply overseas. Yeah, so Alvin, do you want to share some more about Project Access first? Yeah, sure. Hi, my name is Alvin. Uh, I guess maybe I should introduce myself first. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so I did my undergrad at Oxford studying psychology and linguistics for three years, and then I'm in the middle of pursuing a master's degree at Stanford in symbolic systems. And I'm the current head of the Project Access Singapore team. And we're part of this uh, global nonprofit organization called Project Access, where it seeks to widen access to top higher education around the world by improving access for underprivileged and underrepresented students. So what we do is we help people with the whole university decision-making application kind of process. We have a, a mentorship program where we link up present students at the universities with prospective applicants for a one-on-one -on -one mentorship with uh, curated content as well. And yeah, and we, we just really care about letting people know that getting an overseas education is a real and possible option and to you know consider it carefully and put in the best effort when applying. Mm, that's great. That's great. That's actually like really inspiring for like people like myself, you know, who wish to apply overseas but may not think that I have exactly the qualifications, you know. I'm sure this episode will be a great help for a lot of people and you know give them that final push of confidence to apply overseas. Right. So before we dive in into the episode, here's a short breakdown of our uh, interview that we're going on today. So in the first phase, we'll be talking about, you know, just thinking about applying overseas. So uh, Alvin will help to try to tackle some of the questions uh, which we may ask ourselves when we think about applying overseas. After that, we'll move on to pre-application preparation, you know, plus portfolio building, whether we should sign up for internships, and what are some of the avenues that we can look into while building up our portfolio. Then after that, we'll dive into deciding on the college. And then after that, we'll discuss some of the differences some of us may want to know between US and UK universities. Okay, so before we you know, dive into the very technical questions, right? One of the questions that a lot of us may ask ourselves is, I'm not exactly a, a very exceptional student. Maybe I didn't participate in that many opportunities beyond school. I don't have many internships. Should I even apply overseas? You know, should I even consider um, studying abroad? Yeah, I think that's a really important and a really good question to be uh, thinking about. And I think it's quite a common question as well, even for people who do eventually decide to uh, apply and study overseas. I think to that, I would say, well, firstly, you know, put in the effort to explore just to see what options are available. You know, you can look at things like uh, requirements, you can look at things like cost offerings, and, you know, it, it might be, a totally legitimate option if you're considering, for example, experiencing a different kind of learning style, experiencing a different kind of learning environment, or you know, even just exploring new cultures. So it could be an interesting option. So first and foremost, if you are thinking about studying overseas, look at what's available and consider why you might want to study overseas. If it's merely about getting 
a top quality world-class education, you can do that in Singapore as well. Singapore universities are very, very competitive globally uh, and you can get a fantastic education anywhere. But if, you know, if you're motivated by something slightly different, you know, wanting to experience something different in terms of your higher education, then I think going overseas is a, is a, is a potential option that you might want to consider. Um, and then from there, thinking about, oh, what happens if I feel like I'm not particularly exceptional? I think many of us feel that way. And what I would say is, well, firstly, actually put in the effort, try to prepare as good an application as possible, do your research, make sure you're well prepared for things like interviews or admission tests, if you have any, and just generally put in your best foot, right? Just give it a shot. Secondly, maybe it's worth also considering like a range of different options. So uh, usually one helpful way to categorize this would be reach, match, and safety options. So reach options are the ones where you think the average student has a slightly higher profile than yours. Match options are ones where the average student has a maybe similar profile to yours. And then safety ones are the ones where you feel like your profile is relatively competitive. So if you have a range of different options, then um, perhaps you're more likely to uh, be able to get into one of these options. And uh, that being said, make sure that you'll be happy to study at any of the options that you're applying for. You know, if you're just choosing a safety option, even though you don't really like the place and you wouldn't be happy going there anyway, then that's sort of a waste of your time. Yeah. So, so put in your best effort, consider a range of options, and then maybe just go for it. You know, just give it a shot. Just see, see how it goes. And in some sense, rather than disqualify yourself from the start by not applying at all, maybe leave that decision up to the admissions officers to see whether you know, they think you would be a good fit for the university. And, and then uh, we'll just see what the outcome is. Mm. Right, right, right. Wow, that's such an interesting angle to think from, right? Mm. Okay. Um... So, you know, when after this phase, right, some of us may think that, you know, okay, even if I choose to take that step forward and apply for an overseas education, right, um, what should I do if I don't know what subject I wish to apply for yet? Which course should I go for yet? Yeah. So, um, I guess here there are a few different options. Mm. So, one, uh, lots of US colleges and universities don't require you to apply specifically to a major or a program. Um, so you could apply generally to a school and then decide your major or your concentration or your program afterwards. So that is one option. Another option is to do a liberal arts kind of degree. So it's sort of similar, but uh, in a liberal arts degree, uh, there's an intentionally broad kind of curriculum. So um, maybe if that would be helpful if you're like a generalist or like you prefer or, or you're interested in a wide range of different kinds of topics, then a liberal arts degree might be something you might want to look into. Um, and then, of course, the third thing, which perhaps maybe is worth for everyone to do anyway, is to just brainstorm and think about, for example, what are some activities that I've taken part in in the past, like CCS that I've done, or like projects that I've been a part of, hobbies that I've picked up, things that I'm generally interested in, the kinds of media that I consume. And then sort of like just exploring all of these different kinds of experiences and finding oh, is there any kind of clustering or a natural grouping among these things? Um, and does that reveal something about, you know, where my inclinations might lie, what areas I might be particularly interested in, and then how I can sort of convert that into uh, a degree or a course of study. Um, another really helpful thing to do would be to just browse university catalogs because there are lots of uh, courses and programs offered at the university level right. that weren't offered at all at the JC sort of IB mm -hmm. or A level kind of level. Um, so it might be worth just exploring to see what 
new and interesting things that, that might be out there that uh, maybe you've not heard of before or you've not tried before, but might fit your interests. Right, right, right. Oh, I see. Okay. Mm. Um, you know, um, and I worry that a lot of us have is that how important are grades actually, you know, in applying overseas? You know, we all know that, of course, you have to perform to a certain standard if you wish to even qualify. But, you know, how important actually are, you know, grades? Do we actually have to get um, the highest possible grades ever? Do we have to, you know, have a lot of extracurriculars and perform very well? You know, what if I didn't do well for my block test or prelims even? Would they take into consideration these results when they review application? So I guess maybe to preface my, preface my answer to this question, um, it's probably important to note that perfect grades won't necessarily get you in, right? So you can, you, you can score really, really well, but if perhaps the other aspects of your application aren't as strong or if the admissions officers feel like you're not as good a fit for the university, then you might still not get into the places that you apply to. And neither is it a necessary condition. You don't necessarily need perfect grades um, to get into anywhere. Um, certainly, uh, we do know of, uh, I do know of some friends who perhaps didn't get a perfect score, or didn't score as well as they hoped that they would, but who nonetheless were able to go to the universities that they had applied to. So it's, it's not like, you know, uh, it's not a necessary condition. I would say comparing between the UK and US, which I guess are two popular locations for Singapore to pursue overseas education, perhaps uh, grades might be slightly more important for a UK application because the, the UK application tends to be quite uh, academically focused. Um, so they really want to look at your academic competencies and they want to see how you would be a good student for that subject. So perhaps grades play a slightly larger role in that than for US applications where maybe they're more interested in you as a holistic person. So, you know, if you can convey something interesting or have a unique perspective or, you know, show something interesting in your personal statement, perhaps that uh, can sort of mitigate some of the, the situation if you feel like right. your grades weren't as good. Specifically for things like block tests and prelims, um, mm. firstly, you don't report these when you're writing your application. So um, admission officers won't know about them directly, but they sort of might affect your grades if um, you're applying in the year of your A-levels or IB and your, so you don't have your actual grades. In right. which case, your school will prepare predicted grades for you, which would be based on your previous performance, but they would also take, for example, other contingencies and extenuating circumstances into consideration. Um, so, you know, for example, it's just a general trend that people tend to perform better at, say, the A-levels than for prelims, mm. uh, perhaps in part because, you know, people work harder for A-levels right, yeah. or perhaps because sometimes schools make the prelims particularly difficult so that, you know, you can have a better gauge of your ability or your understanding. So they will take those things to account when they prepare your predicted grades. So also, you know, don't worry too much if you feel like your block test or prelim grades weren't the best. They, firstly, they won't appear directly in your application. And secondly, they'll appear only indirectly via your predicted grades, but then your teachers will, will have taken other things into consideration as well. Right, right, right. Mm. I think that's a huge relief for a lot of people who you know, were worried that um, you have to really perform very consistently well, you know, have to achieve perfect grades all the way throughout your education in order for you to be qualified. Yeah, I'm sure that will help a lot of people who are thinking about that. Right. So, um, I think another aspect of applying overseas is, of course, the culture, you know, aside from the academics. 
um, you know, with the recent rise in cases with attacks against like Asians and um, overseas, especially in the US, people are worried about the issue of racism in another country. And also with the recent pandemic, US has sparked a lot of anti-semantic like, hate against Asians. So do you think that there's really a big concern for you as someone who has studied overseas? Was it really a big issue that you had to worry about? I think racism does exist. Um, mm. It's important to acknowledge that it is sort of a, a systemic and sort of general problem. But it's also important not to overstate mm. like um, the effects of racism. I think, you know, we are much more likely to encounter situations such as like microaggressions uh, rather than outright violent racist episodes, which do happen, uh, but they're much, much, much less frequent. So, and I, I would also probably add that most places where there are universities tend to be a bit more cosmopolitan. And so, you know, people are usually a bit more used to interacting with people from different cultures, different backgrounds, different nationalities. So I would say it, it might be perhaps not as major of a concern in university locations. Um, but that being said, uh, it's also important to have sort of coping mechanisms. So, for example, having a support network of, of friends, of people whom you're familiar with, perhaps other Singaporeans, um, who can help you to process through any such incidents or events that you might encounter, um, you know, so that there's a sort of healthy kind of outlet and a healthy way to process these events and then to grow from such experiences and to, um, yeah, to be a better person afterwards. Right, right, right. Uh, I see. Mm, okay, so before we move on to more technical questions, I think another last worry that a lot of us may have during the pre-application period would, um, how big of a problem do you think funding is when applying overseas? You know, you know, yeah. um, a lot of us may not be able to secure scholarships in the end, and we all we all know that it costs a lot more to study overseas than locally so how much do you think this is of an issue and do you have any experiences with students who had to take out a large student loan to study abroad and if so how did they handle the situation i think that's a really fair question and it's something that's on lots of people's minds i would say firstly perhaps just to take note that there are a lot of different funding options even in terms of scholarships, there are lots of different kinds of scholarships. There are government step-out scholarships. There are sort of government-linked company scholarships. And there are also um, bond-free private scholarships. Some universities may also have sort of prizes or awards which can go some ways to uh, offset costs. But it, it is also possible to take alternative funding routes. For example, it's possible to do, for example, a part-time job or a summer job or internship, a uh, paid internship, where perhaps... Uh, that can help to offset some costs. Uh, it's generally harder to work during term time because uh, there are usually re visa restrictions and also, I mean, just being a student is hard enough. Right, so right. it's sometimes difficult to do that during term time. We also do know of people who have taken student loans. I believe there are some local banks which do have education loans specifically, uh, which, which permit overseas higher education including, I believe, OCBC Frank and DBS Spark. So that's one possibility to consider. Um, so maybe if like either you are already banking with a particular bank or your parents are banking with that bank, uh, maybe you can look into what kind of education loans they offer. Also totally valid is to take a combination of these. So some part self-funded, some part funded through a loan, 
Sampat funded through an award or perhaps a midterm scholarship. So that would be a scholarship that you take up midway through your university uh, life. So, so those are also possibilities. Um, yeah, I would say, again, put in the best effort when applying for scholarships, if that is a funding path that you wish to pursue, bearing in mind also that uh, when you apply for scholarship, oftentimes you are, it's akin to applying for a career because of the bond uh, that will come afterwards. So do take that into consideration. But then if you are rejected, also don't, you know, don't feel too bad about it. Uh, mm. Perhaps consider other alternative funding options if you still wish to study overseas. And if that is no longer a possibility, you can also consider taking a local education and perhaps going on, say, overseas exchange or taking or doing overseas postgraduate studies, which might be easier to find funding for, or considering a, a career or an internship experience overseas if you still have a desire to go overseas to experience life in a different kind of culture. So there are many, many potential options out there. And if you don't get the scholarship, that's not the end of the world. Um, right. So yeah, it was just to sort of broaden your horizons and, and to consider all the different possible options. Right, right, right. Uh, I see. I think speaking of internships, as you mentioned just now, right, such as the paid internships, you know, a lot of us, um, while studying is, um, maybe in JC, we may not have time to pursue these internships. So do you think that it will be, you know, a worthy choice to explore internships at the expense of, um, you know, studying for our exams maybe, or maybe doing a term break instead of, you know, um, preparing for the next year, do you think it's worthy to take up these internships? Yeah, um, I think internships are a very interesting kind of opportunity because often it gives you a flavor of what perhaps a career in that industry would look like and maybe certain kinds of skills or, or concepts that are required, for example, when pursuing a, a particular kind of um, career. So I think it can be a really helpful learning experience. And I think it can also help you to understand more about yourself, right? Like whether you, would, you think you would be a right fit for this job, whether you think you can foresee yourself doing this as a career over a longer period of time, whether in fact you have an interest in this topic at all. So, you know, for example, you might be interested in chemistry and then you think, oh, maybe mm -hmm. I might want to go to chemical engineering. But then as it turns out, chemical engineering is much more physics-y and maybe has a lot to do with some kinds of like fairly mundane maintenance work. Right. And so you might find out, okay, maybe this is not for me. But perhaps, mm -hmm. you know, someone else might come along and find, hey, actually, this is really interesting. It's exactly up my alley. Um, mm. Maybe something that I hadn't explored before, but now I want to look into it. So I think that's the kind of experience that an internship can give. Um, mm. Perhaps much more so than the so-called uh, building your portfolio or, or giving right. uh, you interesting things to talk about. But you know, we can we can address that later. Yeah. So I would say internships are really valuable learning opportunities to find out about that industry, that field, and yourself. But again this doesn't mean that everyone must have an internship. Mm. Um, you are not sort of in any way disadvantaged in your application by not having an internship. And it's totally possible to find, to explore your interests in many other areas, like picking up a hobby, doing an online course, or various other things. I think especially now, during the pandemic period, lots of, um, it, it's much harder in general to get an internship, perhaps right. because lots of, companies and organizations are sort of just having to deal with like their own mm. struggles and challenges of, of being in a pandemic times. Yeah, so don't worry if you can't secure an internship and certainly don't like chase this if you feel like it would compromise on your, your studies or other aspects of your life, like mental health, because those right. things are also really important. And yeah, I mean, I, I think 
holidays are a potentially good time to, to pick something up if you find that it would be a worthwhile opportunity mm. if such an opportunity shows up and if, if it probably wouldn't compromise on other aspects of like your well-being and like you know mm. life so it is certainly one option to explore but it's not the only option so again it's also about broadening the things that are interested right. in and, and looking at yeah right right i think i, I think that's re- really reassuring for those people who have always thought that you know internship these opportunities that we take up beyond school are like essential for us to you know qualify for overseas education even and a lot of us actually a lot of my friends they have um, done it at the expense of maybe um, time that you could spend resting you know recuperating for the next um, year ahead so I think what you said would be really a good um, advice for those who wish to apply for internships but also know that it's not a criteria for them to even apply overseas right yeah Um, so I think that uh, beyond that, right now that, uh, let's say in the case that we do actually wish to pursue uh, an overseas education, I think another worry that we might still have is that people who have done that research of the different colleges that they are interested in, um, they may often come across the situation where many of the schools actually offer roughly the same opportunities, so, you know, such as exchange programs, research opportunities, and career fairs. Rich, uh, rich variety of CCAs and extracurriculars that they can take part in. So, do you have any advice on how they can actually further differentiate between what each college has to offer and what may actually be a good fit for themselves? Yeah, I think that's certainly true. That like lots of mm. uh, universities have lots of areas in which they overlap, mm. uh, including, for example, Singapore universities and overseas right. universities as well. But I think there are also really interesting ways in which they don't overlap. So, one thing that I would say is really important is. Uh, curriculum and course structure. So even similar sounding courses can be taught in very different ways in different universities. I mean, for example, the difference between US and UK universities is very big. Like in US universities, it tends to be a much more modular system. It tends to be Mm. broader in terms of scope. Often there's a requirement, in fact, for you to take things that are outside of your intended major uh, to cover at least a few different areas. Whereas in the UK, it tends to be much more narrow and, and focused on just a particular course that you're taking. So, so that's like a very key area of difference. But even within the same country, um, different, the, the same or, or similar sounding courses might be taught in quite different ways. So just to name an example off the top of my head, law, as it is taught in Oxford, mm. is called jurisprudence, in fact, and is often quite um, theoretically motivated as opposed to, for example, other law degrees such as law in Cambridge. So I would say to actually go to the university websites because those contain lots of really helpful information. Look at the course structure and the curriculum to see what you can expect. Um, you know, the kinds of classes that will be offered and the kinds of papers that you have to take, for example. So that's definitely one. But other than that, there are also sort of interesting ways in which um, universities differ. So I think you mentioned some things like uh, research opportunities and right. extracurriculars. Those are actually things that you might want to look into. So for example, if you have a really specific subject area that you're very interested in working in, then perhaps you might want to see like uh, if there are particular uh, professors or lecturers who specialize in those areas that you might want to consider you know, doing a project with or doing your thesis with if you need to do a thesis. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's one thing to look at. Maybe another thing to consider is also the kind of university environment. So uh, whether it's like small group teaching or lecture, seminar style teaching, which would be quite different 
for example, at Oxbridge, the, the tutorial supervision system has like on average one to three students per tutor. So it's a very, very small class size as opposed mm -hmm. to something that's maybe more discursive, like a seminar style where maybe you have eight to 12 students in a seminar, as opposed to, you know, the, the classic kind of style that you maybe you're more familiar with in JC, like a fairly large lecture style and then a, a smaller tutorial class, which perhaps is still larger as compared to an Oxbridge tutorial supervision. Right. So maybe knowing a bit about your own learning style and what kinds of things you prefer or what kind of environment you thrive in might be really important. Or just other things about university life, you know, kinds of extracurriculars you want to get involved mm -hmm. in, whether you like living in a large city or a small campus town, you know, uh, large cities have lots of stuff going on. So it might be really exciting. Campus towns are sort of cozy. You're close to all of your friends. So it's really, it's really easy to get around. So there are lots of different kinds of things to take into consideration when applying. And I would say maybe, yeah. So choose something that's suitable that you think, something that you think you would want to get out of your university education. Um, and I, I would say most people really end up enjoying their university experience um, anyway, even if it's something that perhaps was a little bit out of their comfort zone or something that perhaps they didn't uh, fully expect. So I say go in with an open mind and just see what's available, do your research, but then also just enjoy your university experience. Mm -hmm. I think uh, maybe just a interesting question, you know, out of curiosity too, what made you choose, you know, to study Oxford, you know, what made you realize that, oh, maybe this college is a good fit for me and maybe I myself am also a good fit for the college? So I think for me, I was interested mm. in psychology and linguistics as sort of closely related uh, dual um, subject fields. Right. And uh, not many universities offer both of them simultaneously as, as a degree option, um, particularly not in the UK, which is, I think, where I was interested in going. So in the UK, lots of courses tend to be maybe single kind of subject field. Um, so I think, in fact, from my research, I only found three courses that were offering both psychology and linguistics that I was interested in. And for UCAS, you have up to five options. So it was sort of a no-brainer to put all of those three down and then find two others, which I think uh, were sort of slightly uh, less related, but still interesting that I wouldn't have minded taking up anyway. Mm. Um, and I think out of those, yeah, I, I think I was interested in Oxford for its... Um, small tutorial supervision kind of system, which I really, really enjoyed afterwards when I did eventually go there. I think it means that students have a lot more say in terms of what's covered in the tutorial. So you can, for example, discuss things or topics that you are genuinely interested in, or perhaps topics where it's the tutor's uh, area of specialization or expertise, and you know they can contribute a lot more nuanced uh, and sophisticated understanding in that regard. So I think I really, really enjoyed that kind of experience, the, the really intense in-depth uh, diving into a particular subject field and, and just being able to discuss it at a very dynamic and, and right. close level. Yeah, so I think that's what I really enjoyed about Oxford and also something that made me want to apply there. Um, whereas maybe in, in contrast, just to share a bit more, uh, mm -hmm. I chose to do a master's from the US perhaps to, to experience a different kind of teaching style. Right. So where it's much more uh, modular and much more, there's much more breadth in terms of what you can cover. So for example, I'm taking classes like the structure of modern Chinese, the like, oh. uh, philosophical logic or like, you know, some, right, right. Uh, some computing classes as well. So I think 
yeah, I, I was interested in in trying a different kind of thing. And I think I really enjoyed, or I, I'm still really enjoying the experience. So for me, it was really eye-opening and, and really fun to experience sort of both sides, a, a more focused, narrow, deep teaching, and also a, a more broad kind of wide-ranging kind of education. I think that's a really, you know, you know, a fresh take on like studying overseas for you to pursue your undergraduate in UK, you know, and moving on to take a master's in the US. So you can, you know, have a kind of a taste of both flavors of both cultures and also both experiences in these very different countries. Yeah. yeah. Um, would you say that for maybe Project Access, do you have any resources that you guys actually have curated, you know, for uh, undergraduates and also for people who uh, are hoping to apply overseas, you know, do you guys have any resources that can help them figure out what college is maybe best for them to help them guide them along the way, you know, in their navigation of their options? Yeah. So we have our website, uh, projectaccess.org, which you can go on. Uh, it has lots of really helpful uh, resources which are freely available. So you can look at those. Um, it has stuff about universities. It also has stuff about applications and things like that. Mm. So you can definitely look into that. Um, we also have the mentorship, as I mentioned earlier, which you can sign up for. Mm-hmm.